The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. S here joining you as always. Lauren, not here. Dealing with some right now. She'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll probably do some kind of live podcast or something from Vegas. We'll figure it out once we get there. Uh, but joining us today is a good friend, a, 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 a compatriot, if you will, when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers and all the drama, all the, the things that happen, Sixers basketball, but also a great NBA mind in general, Brian Toporek, uh, Bleacher Report, senior multi-platform editor, but also a contributor for Forbes Sports and Liberty Ballers. He is also the co-host of the NBA podcast, uh, Brian how are you today, given the, the circumstances of the Philadelphia 76ers? <laughs> Can't they just have, like, one normal summer? That's all I want, <laughs> just one normal summer. I, I just, yeah. It's every year. It's always something. But thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm less excited to talk about the Sixers, but the 29 other teams, let's go. It's funny, uh, and we'll get into our, our winners and losers of free agency a little bit later, but, I, I mean, it, it's sort of fresh in my mind about James Harden and – you know, every time we kind of interact on Twitter, maybe it, it feels like we're always talking about some kind of craziness that is happening in Sixers world, whether it be Ben Simmons, whether it be the MVP debate between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And now uh, James Harden is, is another, you know, situation here, if you will. It's funny looking back at the last three or four years of Harden's career uh, and how much it's kind of just bounced back and forth based on whatever objective he has, whatever personal objective he has in his career, whatever objective he has in terms of the team that he's on. Um, and it's strange to me that we've gotten to this point because we've seen him shapeshift in a lot of ways. Uh, we saw him shapeshift maybe the most this season in Philadelphia. And yet we're still back at square one, it feels like. How, how do you digest all that? Honestly, I'm just laughing through it all at this point because uh, <laughs> I think the alternative is a lot bleaker. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny because he keeps bringing up, or at least throughout the season, he kept bringing up like all the sacrifices he made. You know, he opted out last year, took $14 million less so they could sign PJ Tucker and sign uh, Daniel House and yeah. stay under the hard cap. And then, you know, as you said, style of play, like, <laughs> I mean, he, he just hadn't had a high usage center that he's played with before. So like the ball was still in his hands a ton. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like they were asking him to just stand in the corner like they did yeah. with PJ Tucker and like Tyrese Maxey is running the half court offense. You know, he was running the half court, but you know, you're not leaning on him to be a 30 point per game scorer, which I don't think he really has in him anymore. Um, this is whole, that what he wants? Is, is that like I, from I your from your, <laughs> like I, I wish I yeah because like Chris Haynes has this article in mid-May where you know he said Harden at the time was expected to opt out was pursuing right. a four-year deal and what I forget the exact phrasing but it was something like wanted the basketball freedom to be himself and I was like what does that mean right. and are we sure that's a good thing at this point in his career 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fair. It's fair to ask that question because 34 years old, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, uh, looking for a max extension, something along the lines of that four years worth of money. Um, it's tough to see how 38 year old James Harden would look or even 37 or 36 year old James Harden would look. It's, it's I mean, tough to, yeah. 33 year old James Harden. Like, you know, he has, yeah. he's had a couple of games like in the playoffs games, one and four against Boston where it's like, Oh, that's the old James Harden. You, you are still capable of that. But then yeah. he also has game six and seven where it's like, Oh, this is just the story of your career. You just tend not to show up at these big, important games. And like, you, I just don't think he has the lift and the gas anymore where you can lean on him to be this primary scorer. Like, I think the best fit for him is be this playmaker. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he can do that in Philly. I think we'll get into, I'm sure, some of the potential landing spots. Like, if he goes to the Clippers, pair him with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that makes sense. Like, he could be that. But he's he goes to the Clippers... And not only is he not the number one option, like I don't even think he's the number two option offensively there. So if you're not willing, like there comes a point in every star's career where you have to realize I'm past my prime. Like I need to adjust my game. I'm not going to necessarily be, you know, the four year 35% max guy that I used to be. And, you know, Kyrie, I wonder if that, influences his thinking at all seeing Kyrie only settle for a three-year deal with the player option and I think it's close to 10 million less than his max like I I don't think regardless of whether he stays in Philly or whether he goes elsewhere like I don't think whichever team is trading for him is giving him a four-year max deal next offseason I just don't think that's his market anymore yeah I I don't I don't think it is either I, I think it's it's wishful thinking from Harden's camp to to imagine that you know he goes to a destination wherever that may be whether it's the Clippers or another team where he will have such an outstanding season that it will deem him a max player again and get him a four year deal I just think that would be that's such a small potential of the outcome it just it doesn't seem possible uh, but ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is possible. Get in the game and make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Bet before the game or live and play on all your favorite teams' matchups. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or download the app to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Speaking of playing responsibly, James Harden has not been playing very responsibly. Um, <laughs> I, you mentioned you mentioned some of the struggles. You mentioned some of the struggles, and I think those struggles are fair. I think, you know, some of the noise that has consistently been around him, you know, in December, during Christmas, literally Christmas Day, the, the Houston Rockets, you know, I guess their interest drops. Maybe James Harden's interest in Houston drops. That doesn't happen. They shift over to Fred Van Vliet, Mr. Bet on Yourself. We can maybe get into that a little bit later. But mm-hmm. overall... It just seems like his priorities he are very mixed. And I wonder what that means for his next team, wherever that might be. Speaking of the next team, how how long do you think it'll take before Daryl Morey decides to to move this guy uh, and kind of shift? Because it just seems like Philly and Embiid and Morey and, you know, Maxi even, they can't go into another season doing the Ben Simmons you know, he'll sit out, we'll figure it out and and kind of hold the fort down as fo- as much as we can type of thing. I just don't think that makes sense. Do you? No, I mean, that's that's the question I'm writing or finishing an article about this for Forbes on Wednesday. So I went back to like, look at all of the details about when he forced his way out of Houston, because I don't mm-hmm. rem- remember the specifics. I remember it was acrimonious at the time, but you know, he, 
requests a trade leading up to training camp, shows up to training camp late because he was partying with a little baby in Vegas. And this was Do you back remember the bottle cap? Times. Do you remember yep. the bottle cap? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, yeah, it's back during the pandemic. So that, you know, he had to spend like a week in health and safety protocols. Like I, and then, you know, I, I went back, I didn't remember this part. The first three games of that season, he had 30 plus points per game in each of the first mm -hmm. three. Then after that, just goes completely off a cliff, has a really uninspired performance against the Lakers, gives the press conference afterward where he's like, I just don't think we could, this could be fixed. And then, you know, I think two days later, he's a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So, right. you know, Daryl was gone by that point. Daryl was with Philly by the time Harden started doing all of that. But there, there is a clear track record. When James Harden is unhappy, he's just going to make life miserable for you and everyone else around you. And right. I just don't know. You know, the Sixers right now are, that's the messaging coming out. Like, it's not necessarily that he's played his last game in Philly. Like, if whatever team does not meet our asking price, like, he's under contract. We are willing to have him come back. I just, I, I think it's really, really risky. But it's also risky from Harden's perspective, because when he did this stuff in Houston, he was under contract through 21-22, so almost two full seasons left on his deal. Yeah. Right now, one-year deal can't be extended because his contract is too short. So he is going to be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. And, you know, if you, if you look at this as your last chance to get big money, maybe you know, teams didn't have cap space this summer, but maybe they will next summer. Like, you, you kind of have to play, not only play ball, but play well. At, right. Or I don't think that big money offer is there next summer either. It is a very weird situation because unlike Houston in that, and like you mentioned, uh, Daryl Morey was not there when Harden was pulling all of these, you know, antics, if you will. Daryl Morey is now in Philly. They have a longstanding relationship. I know he is going to play hardball when it comes to some of these negotiations. They're going to try to get as much as they possibly can. But what is that possible? Like, what is the package mm -hmm. here that would satisfy Daryl Morey? And, and, you know, on the other side of this, Apparently, Tyrus Maxey won't be traded for prime Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? But <laughs> right. so they're standing hard and firm on that. So, like, what is – where is the the compromise here if you if you could find one? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I'm trying to start reading through the tea leaves because, you know, I think the messaging that has come out about their overall offseason plans is starting to become kind of clear what they're angling for. So mm – -hmm. You know, we get the the news right before free agency starts. They're not going to extend Tyrese Maxey this offseason. They're waiting until 2024, which, you know, I wrote about as a possibility back in May at Liberty Ballers because I noted, you know, he has a pretty cheap cap hold. He's a, a 13 million cap hold. You know, realistically, he's probably going to have, what, like a $30 million starting salary at most yeah. um, or at least, I should say. So, yeah. you know, it's a way to basically create like an extra 17, possibly 20, maybe even more uh, million in cap stakes next off season. I was listening to the hoop collective earlier. Uh, you know, not apparently not only is Tyrese Maxey untouchable, but the Sixers are also batting away suitors for Tobias Harris. And if any right. team is interested in Tobias, they only want to take back expiring contracts because Tobias is on a $39.3 million expiring right. deal. So whatever the case seems like the Sixers are prioritizing having as much financial flexibility in 2024 as possible. And I say all of that because then we go back to the Clippers where, you know, Norm Powell is probably the most realistic 
trade chip that they have to offer. But Norm mm -hmm. Powell's under contract for three more years. Like if the Sixers are really prioritizing having all of this cap space, then I don't know that they want Norm Powell on their books for $19.2 million next season. So right. you know, Clippers do have expire other expirings, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington. I think they would covet Terrence Mann, who's on a two-year $22 million deal. But Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports reported that they aren't like or that they're expected to, you know, not the Clippers are expected to not want to include Mann or Bones Highland. So I'm wondering if the middle ground is, you know, whatever expirings you need to make it work. I, I'm interested that they acquired KJ Martin the other day because I, right. I mean, maybe they want to keep KJ Martin, but the Sixers do have a small trade exception from Matisse Thibel that KJ Martin would fit into. So there's no aggregation concerns there. So I think it's, you know, financial savings seems to be one of the big priorities or keeping their books as flexible as possible. Uh, I think they would probably look at this as a way to replenish their draft war chest because they really, they could offer one first round pick right now in 2029 and that's it. They don't have a ton of second rounders either for the next couple of seasons. Right. So, you know, I, that would be my guess. I'm guessing the holdups right now between the Sixers and Clippers are, you know, which of the expirings and or Powell are you guys willing to offer? Uh, are you willing to offer Terrence Mann or Bones Highland? If not, what about KJ Martin? And mm -hmm. how many draft picks the Clippers have? They can offer 28 and 30, I believe. And then 27 and 29 pick swaps. Pick they swap. also have a couple mm -hmm. second rounders they can offer. So like, I think there is a workable deal here between both sides. It's just, you know, I don't know what the Sixers asking price is, and I don't know if the Clippers are going to be willing to meet it, in right. which case that begs the question, well, what happens then? From the Clippers' perspective, I just don't understand the reason to withhold Terrence Mann or Bones Highland. And I, I like I like those players. I think they provide, uh, you know, youthfulness, if you will, to that Clippers roster. I think from like a, a ball handling perspective, they they provide some versatility on that end. But I don't think they are game-changing type of players that you withhold the chance of trading a James Harden for. Uh, yeah. I know for a fact that you know the, the Clippers also withheld Terrence Mann in any deal for Fred VanVleet at the trade deadline. That was you know mm -hmm. something that the Raptors were not eye to eye on with the Clippers in that moment. So I just I don't see it necessarily. Maybe Terrence Mann is is someone that is a big locker room guy, maybe appreciated in that locker room. But if you're the Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George you don't necessarily have a ton of youthfulness on that roster to look forward to after those guys. So why not mm -hmm. go all in? Why not just commit to the Harden PG Kawhi core and, you know, ride it to the, t to the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm wondering too, I mean, I forget, I think it was uh, Kevin O'Connor mentioned that they've been interested in PJ Tucker as well. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Sixers are looking at this deal as a way to get off of PJ right. Tucker's contract because he's got an 11 point, I think $5 million player option for 24, mm -hmm. 25. So you know, again, if they're prioritizing financial flexibility and that would actually make it easier to make the math work on both sides. So yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with you. I think like if the, the, <laughs> the Clippers are saying, you know, we're not including Terrence Mann for James Harden. It's like the heat saying we're not <laughs> including Caleb Martin for Damian right. Lillard. Like you're just not right, being right. serious about trying to get these guys or you, you know, you're trying, 
all of these trade negotiations are leverage, right? It's like, yeah. if James Harden wants to go with the Clippers and James Harden's going to be upset and James Harden's going to make your life hell, you have to trade him this offseason. So we're not going to give you your our best offer because no one else wants him. And like Miami with Dane, same thing. Like Dane wants to come here. No one else is going to top our crappy offer. So take it or leave it. But, right. you know, I think the Sixers and the Blazers are pushing back and like, no, we don't have to trade these guys. We're, right. we're not just going to settle for whatever slop you throw at us. So I'm actually glad you brought Dame into this because that was the next part to this. I think in a lot of ways in the NBA world, Dame has to be the first shoe to drop before we see what happens yeah. with Harden. Um, and, and you know, because everybody is going to be holding back their assets, even the Clippers who are, you know, reportedly trying to get in on the Dame conversation, they're going to see and essentially what they can do in order to get a guy like Damian Lillard. I could see multiple teams being involved in this, whether it's a three-team trade, maybe even a four-team trade. Dare I say a four-team trade for Damian <laughs> Lillard. Um, but w- you mentioned it a little bit when it comes to his demands to go to Miami. He's adamant about going to Miami. There's multiple reports out there that say Miami is the destination for him, irregardless of, you know, Brooklyn and and how much he's like them, et cetera, et cetera. You think at the end of the day, it's going to be Miami with Dame? Or do you think there's going to be a dark horse that comes in and sweeps it up, right? Remember Kawhi? Remember how with with the Kawhi situation, nobody guessed Toronto would have been able to get Kawhi. It was the Lakers. Uh, There were a couple other teams mentioned, but then at the end, it ended up being the Toronto Raptors. Do you think that there is a possibility that happens with Damian Lillard? Not that he goes to the Raptors, but that another team swoops in and and maybe makes this interesting. I think it's possible. I mean, other teams can very easily beat Miami's offer. Like if Miami had a competitive offer, then that's one thing. But, you know, when they're blue chip prospect is Tyler Hero and you're trying to trade him to a team that already has Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons, like, okay, that doesn't make sense at all. So now immediately we need a third team to send Tyler Hero and, you know, what, whichever team is getting Tyler Hero, what are they sending back to Portland? Like, you know, if it's Brooklyn, are you sending back Ben Simmons? Do you know, does, do the Nets have to give up more stuff than that? Probably just to get off of the Simmons contract. So like you can see where negotiations start to break down once you, you start expanding these deals. Um, I, Tim McMahon threw out the Jazz as a potential dark horse. Weaver uh, State, yeah, exactly. And you know they've got a ton of assets to potentially dangle. They could easily beat Miami's offer. Danny Ainge, Pat Riley. There is no love lost there, so that could be some extra yeah. motivation. I know Ramona Shelburne mentioned the Spurs again. Like they could destroy Miami's offer. They have a ton of young guys. Like Wemby obviously is not going, but you yeah. know. Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. They have a bunch of extra picks they can dangle. Um, I I think ultimately, just based on how these things tend to go, I'm guessing he ends up in Miami. I'm guessing Miami sends Tyler Hero to a third team, whether it's Brooklyn or elsewhere. I think, honestly, I think uh, a lot with a lot of this stuff, like these frameworks can make sense on paper and teams are sometimes just too stubborn to admit it. But like Brooklyn taking Tyler Hero, giving up Ben Simmons and sending back two picks to Portland. Like I think Tyler Hero makes sense on that Brooklyn team. Yeah. You're free of the Ben Simmons headache. And from Portland's perspective, you get even more draft capital. And like, what if Ben Simmons isn't broken? And (laughs) I mean, you know, not entirely likely. I mean, you were. 
you were well versed in that. You know what I mean? You've, yeah. you've been there. Yeah. And like, you know, on a team, no one is going to be paying attention to that Portland team or no casual fans are going to be paying attention to that Portland team once yeah. Dame is gone. So maybe, you know, being out of the spotlight, you know, going from Philly to Brooklyn, where you just have this circus of KD and Kyrie for, you know, a season and a half, go to Portland. Like you're, you're going to be out of the media spotlight for honestly, the first time in your NBA career, you've yeah. got two seasons to salvage your NBA career before you're up, you know, you're, your current contract expires like I, and you know conceptually he might fit well there so i think there is much like with the clippers and the sixers for harden like i think there is a miami brooklyn portland framework that could make sense for all three teams it's just do all three teams agree with that or yeah. you know is there this dark horse that comes in and you know just destroys miami's offer yeah i agree with you that from Brooklyn's perspective, Tyler Hero makes sense. Uh, and there was a report earlier today that Brooklyn would want, uh, you know, assets back for a Tyler Hero. I think the mm-hmm. the asset back in this situation would be getting off of the Ben Simmons situation. It's like, yes. you know, you, you kind of wipe your hands of that entire ordeal. Maybe for your troubles, you get a second round pick. Maybe for on the other side, like you don't have to give a pick in order to get rid of the Ben Simmons situation. Maybe that's your way of winning here. And, and from... From Brooklyn's perspective, Tyler Hero next to a bunch of six foot nine wings that can kind of switch and guard multiple positions. I guess defensively, it makes a lot of sense. It 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 yeah. it, it fits. Uh, and I think you know they they do have some some guards that they have there, like a Cam Thomas, and they just signed Lonnie Walker, so maybe they don't have necessarily the usage. But Hero Hero tops all of those guys, right? Yeah, I just think it makes sense fit wise, uh, and and maybe he's a guy who can up his value a little bit more in Brooklyn compared to what he's at with Miami and and you know the new contract starting there. I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans comes in here as the dark horse mm-hmm. because they have a lot of picks, uh, they have a treasure trove of young players that can be you know enticing to Portland whether they decide to include a Trey Murphy or a Dyson Daniels. Or yeah, I mean Herb Jones just got re-signed, but any anybody else on that roster that is you know a young prospect that they could send. Kyra Lewis is a guy who potentially wanted to get asked out, but again he's a guard. Um, I think New Orleans could be that quote-unquote dark horse if we're relating to this to the Raptors and that 2019 Kawhi team. I think they could be that 2019 Raptors Kawhi team where they go out and get Dame. The funny part of this would be how do you get the contract to work right? The matching mm-hmm. salaries on that perspective. That, that brings up CJ McCollum, maybe Jonas Valanciunas. <laughs> and it's just funny because CJ and Dame, they've been teammates right. before. So, <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know. But I could I could see that being the dark horse. Maybe maybe they just put out a too enticing of a package for the Blazers to, you know, like they, they can't refuse that type of package. And Dame has to go and play in New Orleans for a couple of years. Or just like a Dame and Zion challenge trade would be fun. That would just be like, hilarious. We yeah. we just want to wash our hands of Zion, like you know we yeah. we we understand the upside, but we're getting Damian Lillard back, so it's not like we're selling low on him. And yeah. you know Zion Zion next to Scoot and Shaden, if he stays healthy, he he. I mean he did, he did work out in Portland uh, in the. Uh, remember when he he got sent to Portland to do? I think it was at the Nike oh, facility right. there, right? So yeah. I mean he does technically have a quote unquote tie there, you know, to to be able to work and maybe he can he can get healthier there in portland yeah it's an interesting thought it's an interesting thought it's funny because 
we went from the third pick for Zion to okay, now maybe Dame for Zion. Yeah, it's just, right, right. It's that's just funny. Um, so I guess your final bet would still be Miami. That Dame Dame lands in Miami. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he's under contract for a couple more seasons. So, and he doesn't have a no okay. trade clause. As a lot of insiders have been very quick to point out, so it's not a Bradley Beal situation where he can literally force where he goes, but. You know, I think unless another team comes way over the top of Miami, like Portland, mm-hmm. I would imagine, wants to do right by him. They just don't want to be like, we're taking, you know, absolutely nothing of value back. You you have to yeah. get something real for Dame, whether it's a prospect or whether it's multiple first round picks. And, you know, like Miami just doesn't have much to offer outside of hero. I think they can offer two firsts. They can offer the kid they just drafted this year. They can offer uh, Nikola Jovic. Like that's just, you know, even compared to what Minnesota gave up for Rudy Gobert last year, like that is nothing. And no, really much rather have Dame than Rudy Gobert. So I think that's, that's the challenge from Miami's perspective is how, how do you get to the value that Portland is asking for? I think right. Hero is, you know, find the third team that's actually given, willing to give up stuff for Hero. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, San Antonio, both San Antonio and Brooklyn, they have extra first to give. Yeah. So depending on how much they value a guy like Tyler Hero, like I could see, you know, that uh, San Antonio has Toronto's pick from next year. And that, that could potentially be a pretty valuable pick, right? Uh, yeah. If they are interested in a guy like Tyler Hero to add to Vassell, Johnson, Sohan, and now Wemby, um, I could see them using one of those picks, you know, one, one pick going over to Portland, maybe a couple of seconds. I know they have a bunch of extra second round picks as well. Some kind of framework like that makes some sense to me, uh, whether it's Brooklyn or San Antonio, we'll see what happens. But I agree with you that Dame ends up being in Miami. I, I think it's just, it's amicable for both sides. If you will, I think they will try to do right by Dame. Um, and I know there's been a lot of conversation about that. Some people are not happy, mm-hmm. it, you know, on both sides. Loyalty seems to be a really big conversation <laughs> uh, in the NBA world today nowadays. And it's funny because Harden and Lillard are like the polar opposites of that conversation in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, it just feels like th- those two things happening at the same time has opened up such an op- a big discussion on player player movement, player empowerment, and, you know, how that kind of shakes out even moving forward, because Lillard, a guy who's, you know, 30, what is he, 32, 33 years old, um, mm-hmm. and he has four years left on his contract, and he's asking out. And then you have Harden, who's a guy who has one year left on his contract, 34 years old, and he's at it just it it it's provided for a very interesting dialogue on what player empowerment, player movement means for the next whatever amount of years for the NBA, especially with this new CBA. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, there is no loyalty in any business, and the NBA yeah. is a business, so <laughs> I, I hate to break it to everyone, but yeah, I mean, you know, Dame spent 11 years there, and he gave them plenty of chances. Like, I think the one thing you can realistically bristle at, and, uh, you know, this could seg into the, the <laughs> free agency talk, um, you know, he had the meeting with them on Monday, I believe, their front mm-hmm. office, and like, Dame has not, he's been pretty transparent throughout the last couple months, right? Like, I don't remember in years past him ending the season and being like, okay, I'm done babysitting. Like, we need to win now or we're going to have a conversation. And he, Mm -hmm. you know, that was his end of season press conference this year. So, like, he 
had been telegraphing that this was coming if the Blazers didn't make a big upgrade. And I think them jumping to three and then Scoot falling to three, you know, you can't fault the Blazers for passing that up, but that did lead to the, you know, okay, well, what's the move? Like, can you pry Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi out of Toronto? Can you get Carl Anthony Towns? Like, who is the right. guy? Uh, yeah. So, you know, what was happening in that meeting? Like, did Dame say, all right, last chance. Like, this is, if you guys don't make a big move by, you know, 12 hours into free agency, I'm out of here. Because, you know, them re-signing Jeremy Grant to that deal, the five-year $160 million, more justifiable if you think James if you think Dame is coming back now that he's presumably on his way out it's like okay why'd you just hand yeah, all that money it's the, it's the next great albatross contract albatross albatross whatever it is the, yeah. it is it's the great big you know it's the next uh you know tobias harris was that for a very long time ben yes. simmons is currently that right it, that is jeremy grant is now the new Tobias Harris, if you will, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's John, no offense. John Collins. John another Collins, example yes. of like, yeah. we can't yeah. lose these guys for nothing, so we have to resign them. You know, and I don't even mind the, the amount of money. It's more the years. I think that's yeah. going to be the bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah, I think money-wise, at least annually, uh, you know, with the new CBA, it's going to be going up like 10% every single year, um, or at least that's the maximum it could go up. Yeah. I yeah. could see the grant contract at least annually not looking as bad in two years time when there's only three years left on his contract. And now you're, you're, you're looking at like, okay, maybe it's not as bad, but um, speaking of Dame's final press conference, he actually said in the press conference that, Oh yeah, Jeremy Grant, he's going to be back next year. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that was, that was one thing he promised and he did it. He did it. He got it done. Um, look, Generational. We'll, we'll get in generational bag getter for his friends just incredible him alan crab should be a huge mm. go search that up ladies and gentlemen if you haven't okay anyways um <laughs> we'll talk about free agency now so there's been some winners and losers we've only had one weekend but most of the guys are off the board now um yep. you know most of the names are, are off the board and i think a lot of teams have pretty much finished what they're going to do uh, outside of some trades here and there, maybe Toronto shakes things up. That's probably one of the other dominoes to fall. We'll, we'll talk about that once we get to that point. But, you know, everybody's going to be watching what Portland does, what Houston, uh, Houston, Philadelphia <laughs> does. See, I'm, I'm thinking about James Harden. I go straight to Houston. Houston what too, though. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I'm curious. I, I have some suspicions about Houston. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think those are those are rightful suspicions. Um We'll start with some of the winners. I'll, I'll let you go first. Do you have a winner in mind of free agency so far after weekend one? Yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers just getting Austin Reeves back at four mm -hmm. years, whatever it ends up being, 56 million. Um, you know, they successfully deterred other teams from throwing a big offer sheet to him. Like they were limited. They signed him to the most amount of money they could offer, but other yeah. teams could offer a lot more money because of the arenas rule. I don't want to bore anyone going into it. Her, you know, if, if you're curious, just Google uh, arenas rule Austin Reeves and you, you'll find out why. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being able to get him back for probably 20, 30 million less than he otherwise could have gotten was a great piece of business for them. Uh, Rui Hachimura at 17 million a year, totally fine. I, I think, you know, he played extremely well in that run of the Western Conference Finals. Definitely a guy you wanted to keep around. You know, D'Angelo Russell not committing long-term to him, but still bringing him back. 
nice piece of business as well. The Gabe Vincent addition, you know, I think it's going to be really good for them, especially after losing Dennis Schroeder. I like the Flyers on Cam Reddish and Jackson Hayes. So, and Torian Prince as well. So, yeah, you know, they, they meaningfully upgraded their supporting cast without, like, Schroeder was a loss, but, you know, swap, swap him out for Vincent, Reddish, Prince, and Hayes. And, like, I, I think the Lakers got better this offseason. Um, and I'm also really impressed with the Phoenix Suns. You know, I, I think after the Bradley Beal trade, there's a lot of questions. They're like, all right, cool. We know who your top four are. You know, who's, who's playing five through 15 on your roster? Because they yeah. only had minimum deals to hand out since they're over the second apron. And as it turns out, they had some pretty good ideas of who to go after. So, you know, getting uh, Keita Bates Job, getting uh, Eric Gordon, of course, Drew Eubanks, uh, brought yep. back Damian Lee, Josh Okoji. Eric, Eric Gordon reuniting in Phoenix finally. Or, yep. Or, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Utah Watanabe as well, and Metu as well. Uh, like, you know, for considering how limited they were asset wise and resource wise, I think they did about as well as they possibly could have done. So I think those yeah. two were my big winners so far, but I, I think some other teams did well too. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Phoenix. I think if you were to ask a Suns fan to before free agency list their top 10 free agents. Uh, of who they would like to go for, barring, you know, the restrictions that they had. I would hmm. probably guess they got at least five of those guys, maybe <laughs> five of those guys, which is that, I mean, that's really impressive work. Uh, you mentioned Bates Diop. I think he's a, a nice little upside swing, can kind of be thrown into the rotation here. I know there's some people that are really high on him. Um, Eric Gordon is a guy who's obviously going to be able to space the floor for you. Uh, Utah, I love Utah and his, like just what he brings on the court. He is never in the wrong spot. That is just mm -hmm. like an incredible knack that he has, both on defense and offense. He just has an incredible awareness to him on the court. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Suns and Lakers are really, really great uh, winners, if you will, so far in this free agency. I'm going to go to the Eastern Conference for, for my two winners, and I'm actually yeah. going to go ahead, and both of these both of these teams are in the same division. The Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and the yep. Indiana Pacers. Um, yep. I really like the fact that the Cavs addressed one of their dire needs, which is movement shooting. George Niang uh, and, and now Max Struess. I think those are two guys that fit in perfectly. Max Struess more than Niang, I think. Uh, I think mm -hmm. Niang is – I mean, you you have experience in, in the Niang department as well, but I think like he is a big dude, so yes, he can guard multiple positions, but he's not a guy that you necessarily want to put out there for the defensive end of things. Right. Uh, you know, um, I, and I, I saw that as, as someone had mentioned. It's like, oh, yeah, Niang, he can guard multiple positions. It's like, yeah, but do you want him to? Uh, you know? I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, right. The, the shooting is his selling point for sure. Ex exactly, yeah. And, like, yes, he is he is a big body, so maybe he can he can guard, guard up a, a position, if you will. But I think the Max Drew signing is great. Uh, I think he yeah. works well off of their bigs. Like, you know, with Bam Adebayo, he was great in those dribble handoff situations. That sort of applies the same way with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Uh, the movement shooting is going to look great. He's going to space the floor for guys like Garland and, and Mitchell. It's just, uh, it's a great get. And then on top of that, you know, they had some some interesting swings. I think bringing Karis LeVert in at a pretty affordable rate is good. Could potentially be traded at the deadline. I think that's a tradable contract as well. Uh, and then some some upside swings in Damian Jones and Ty Jerome. And I, I think, like, that makes sense to me. Those are guys that kind of fit the build of what what the Cavs sort of need around the margins. 
Um, I think depth was their biggest issue in the playoffs against the Knicks, and they've added some depth here and and movement shooting. They addressed their two problems. They're going to go into next season a little bit more formidable, especially as a playoff team. Uh, Indiana, on Mm -hmm. the other side, I absolutely love what Indiana did. You bring in Bruce Brown, albeit at a high amount, $22 million, I'm I'm pretty sure, on that first year, and the second year is is a team option. Um, but, but regardless, I think Bruce works so well just because of how great of an off ball mover he is. He's a guy who can cut for you. He's going to work excellent next to Tyrese Halliburton. And then another guy who was a great, you know, addition to this high flying team is Obi Toppin. They traded for yes. him. I know it technically doesn't count in the free agency world, but it, it does, uh, you know, and they got him for a really affordable rate. Uh, I think it was just mm-hmm. one second round pick that I, that they got him for. Uh, he's going to look great next to Halliburton. And the Pacers might be one of the best, you know, athletic teams in the NBA next season between Matherin, between uh, Toppin. They have, I believe, Jarace Walker as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarrus Walker, who is just like a, a, an athlete in his own right. So they they just have a lot of great athletes. So I think they will be like one of the more fun league pass teams to watch, if you will. I think they improved in the Eastern Conference standings as well. They probably look like a playoff or play in team to me now. Um, but yeah, that's where I stand on, on my winners. Let's go to the losers. Pick pick two losers and and uh, and let's see let's see if we have the same ones. I feel I feel like we have we probably have the same ones here. Well, I mean, I think unfortunately Portland just because of the Dame situation, because of the yeah. Jeremy contracts, you know, if they end up having to take back the Miami slop, whatever it might end up being, like you know, mm-hmm. I, I think we're gonna look at what they get versus the Gobert Hall. And I think it's Utah is probably going to have gotten more for Gobert. And that just, that just sucks. You know, getting scoot yeah. is great. Like they, the, the, the future can still be bright in Portland, but just how the last week, last couple months, frankly, unfolded outside of the draft stuff is pretty unfortunate for them. Yeah. I, I got to pick your Toronto Raptors as one of the other losers. I mean, just yep. losing Fred Van Vliet is a killer and you know, sure. They got, uh, Dennis Schroeder in to replace him, spent the full mid-level on him. But, you know, it, it feels like I was making a joke with someone yesterday. Like the Sixers and the Raptors are both like, let's just run it back, but worse. Like we're just going <laughs> to run back most of the same group. But like, you know, the Sixers lost George Niang, Jalen McDaniel, Shake Milton, you know, swapping out Fred Van Vliet for Dennis Schroeder. Like, what's, yeah. you know, I, I just... I want to know what the plan is long-term because you, you re-signed Jakob Pertl four years, 80 million. I think it's good value. I, I think that's a contract that will, you know, not be an albatross at any point should have good trade value down the road. But, you know, like, is there another shoe to drop at some point? Is Pascal available? Is OG available? Like yeah. you got a lot of guys coming up on the last year of their deal that, you know, you, you can't lose them for nothing. You can't do what you just did with Fred Van Vliet. So yeah. you know, what what is the plan? I completely agree with you. We have the two same losers uh, in this okay. apartment. <laughs> like, I mean, what, from Portland's perspective, it's just very obvious. And, and I think there is a silver lining with both of these losers uh, because I think, you know, young core-wise, looking forward long-term, there's a bigger picture thing here with both of these teams that makes sense. You mentioned it with Portland, with Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. You can see that in a very short amount of time, that's going to be an exciting basketball team. You know, we talked about, uh, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about it here today, but it, on this podcast before, we've talked about Paolo Bencaro and the Orlando Magic and how exciting they look 
they're going to be a play-in or, or a playoff team very soon. We've talked mm-hmm. about OKC before on this podcast and how they've blossomed. I think you can see, depending on how this Portland Dame trade goes, that's that Portland will be in a position to be one of those young budding teams very soon, depending on how Scoot plans out, depending on how Shaden pans out. There's a lot of promise there. Um, and I think that's the one silver lining I would have if I was a Trailblazers fan. It's like, yeah, you're giving up on, you know, the heart and soul of that organization, saying goodbye to arguably the the greatest blazer, blazer of all time. But at the same time, there is so much promise on the other side. And you finally pick the direction. And I think yeah. that's ironic because with the Raptors situation, as much as if the Raptors were trying to run it back with Fred Van Vliet, yes, they are absolute losers in this situation for, for you know, it's, it's poor asset management in a lot of ways because they let him essentially walk. Their second best player on the team, you know, one of their all-stars, they let him walk. From that perspective, it is huge and it's a big loss. I don't think there's any question about that. There's a lot of debate on Raptors Twitter right now, whether it is a huge loss or not. Some people think the team will actually be better uh, with without what? Fred Van Vliet. What? Which is, no, Brian, Brian, I'm, thank you. I'm so happy that we got your reaction here from an impartial fan. It, it is such a ridiculous oh. concept. Yeah, I know. The best shooter on one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA <laughs> gets removed. And for some reason, in the year 2023, people think that the Raptors will actually have a better field, field a better team because of it. It is, it is hypocritical. It shows just how much the fan base has turned on a player like Fred Van Vliet. It's for a different conversation for another day, but I'm glad we got your reaction here because that is exactly how most people should react to that type of conversation. Um, yeah. The the other side of this, though, the silver lining, I would say, from from a Raptors perspective, is that Fred has now forced them to pick a decision. That, that He has forced yeah. them to pick a side. They cannot run it back. They do not have the facilities, if you will, to run it back and, and you know try to be a playoff team. We just mentioned Cleveland has gotten better. Indiana has gotten better. Orlando, by virtue of of development and you know getting better mm-hmm. with their youth, has gotten better. Toronto's standing in the Eastern Conference is very quickly doing going getting worse and worse. They do not have yeah. their 2024 pick next season. That is San Antonio's. It's top six protected. I think they are now in a position where they have to choose a direction, and because of Fred VanVleet walking, they are now forced to pick a direction which is more of a rebuild a retool around Scotty Barnes. And to your point, I think that's why we will see most likely at some point this summer uh, or maybe even, you know, before the trade deadline, uh, a trade for, for Pascal Siakam. I think that's, that's the next shoe to drop. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it all comes back to Fred making the decision to walk. Uh, and yeah, I guess, where do you stand on Houston? Because we yeah. didn't pick them as winners or losers, but where, where do you, where do you kind of stand on on what they are after all of this? I like what they've done, honestly. I think, you know, the Fred contract, it's big. You get sticker shock, but I know there's some report out that the third year is a team option, in yeah. which case, yeah. you know, okay, cool. He plays out this year. He's All of a sudden, he could be an expiring contract. So, you know, my suspicion is that Houston is now trying to get back into the superstar trade market. And you have this young group that can be these blue chip prospects, whether it's Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Amen Thompson, you know, Tari Eason, uh, Cam Whitmore, who they just got. So like they've got some guys that they can dangle now. They just didn't have the salary matching contracts to make it work. Now all of a sudden, 
all right, you can pair Fred VanVleet with one of these other guys, and like that should get you in the door. You know, I, like a Dame right. or James Harden. Obviously, they already passed up. Then Dame doesn't really make sense on a team with VanVleet or and Amon Thompson. But like next summer, you know, who's to say that? If things go really south with the Sixers, Joel Embiid doesn't start wanting to look around. Or, you know, I know teams around the league are monitoring Giannis because, you know, what happens if they flame out early in the playoffs again and he doesn't sign this contract extension? What happens if Luca with, you know, the Kyrie stuff, if that goes south? Like, there's always another star right down the road. Like, that's the lesson of the NBA over the past half decade. So I, I, I think that's their goal ultimately. And in the meantime, you know, Add Van Vliet, add Dylan Brooks on a descending deal. Uh, the Chuck Landell contract, I know everyone freaked out about, but it, as it turns <laughs> out, only the first year is fully guaranteed. So, it, yeah. you know, I think that's really just $8 million salary filler. Uh, Jeff Green as well, like bringing in these guys to kind of just set the tone for their young guys, I think will be a really helpful, both from an on and off court perspective. And it's going to help the, the Rockets figure out which of these young guys are actually keepers? Like, it's hard to evaluate these guys when you're playing, you know, on a 20-win team. You don't really learn that much meaningful about any of them. Now they're competing for minutes with guys like Van Vliet and Brooks. And I think, I mean, you can speak to this better than I can, but, you know, from from what I understand, Van Vliet's like a really high-character guy, like a good guy to have around young players. So I think, you know, short-term... Rockets should be a lot better. And now long-term they've put themselves in the position where, you know, this is the hard part. Like you, you get a couple of years to rebuild, you get all these young players. Now it's all right. We're going to start cashing some of these guys in. If you hit those moves, well, you got the foundation of a championship contender. Possibly if you don't, right. you turn it into the Sixers. <laughs> and that is a great way to finish this this thing off. You at some point in time, ladies and gentlemen, if things don't go your way, you will turn into the Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> just just hire Colangelo, and you'll, yeah. you'll be right right on the elevator yeah. down. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you uh, when it comes to everything, Houston. I think I've I've liked what they've done. I mean, contract wise, they've they've allowed themselves some flexibility as long as that team option is actually true and reported for for Fred. I think they have. A lot of flexibility moving forward. You've mentioned the young guys. I think defensively, they'll just be better too. I, you know, they were one of the more putrid uh, defensive teams last season. I mean, Dane put up 71 points on them. He could have probably put up more. Um, mm-hmm. they, they just It was an area of concern for them. And adding Brooks, adding Fred, it, it's going to address a lot of their perimeter issues and just bring some adults in the room. I think that's a very, it's become a very underrated part of, of uh, winning in the NBA is just having some adults. I think the Denver Nuggets showed that in a lot of ways when they won the NBA championship, everybody kept bringing up how important the Ishmiths and the DeAndre Jordans and the Contavious Caldwell Popes of the world were. They just said like they kind of kept their, uh, their composure and it helped them win an NBA championship. So I think vets mm-hmm. uh, is, is are going to be very important moving forward in the NBA. Brian, before we head out, anything you got to plug, anything you got coming before we uh, get out of here? Yeah. Um, I've written a couple things about the Sixers whatever they are right now, uh, that, that whole situation um, at Forbes Sports. And I'll have something at Liberty Ballers hopefully later this week on that as well. Uh, check out the NBA podcast, wherever podcasts are found. We just had Keith Smith on last night to do something very similar to this, a winners and losers nice. of free agency. So uh, for all the cap nerds out there in particular, I think y'all know already that Keith is one of the best 
uh, Absolutely. minds out there, but some good explanations. You know, we, you were talking about Indiana earlier and like the Bruce Brown thing you might get some sticker shock, but Keith explained like, you know, now new CBA, you have to hit the salary floor by the first day of the regular season. So I think a lot of these teams were, you know, that, that might've been part of it for Houston as well. Like, Hey, we got $60 million. We got to spend it on someone. I, you know, we don't really care if we're yeah. overpaying Fred Van Fleet. So uh, yeah, thank you for having me on, S. It's always a blast chatting, and uh, hope you enjoy Summer League. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate everybody who has tapped into the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, from Brian, from myself, we will see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.